When Hobart City Council voted to remove a statue from a public park, it sparked debate. This statue was of former Tasmanian Premier William Crowther. As well as being a politician, Crowther was a surgeon, and in the 1860s, he committed some truly distressing acts, like breaking into a morgue in Hobart and mutilating the body of Aboriginal man William Lanny. In recent years, local Aboriginal artists like Alan Manson have transformed the statue. In Alan's case, he painted Crowther's head and hands red and added a bone saw. He told ABC News... It might be provocative, but that's what it's all about, to wake up people to make sure that that this is recognised as a uh, wrongdoing to our people. In this instance, Alan had the support of the local council, who would eventually decide to remove the statue altogether. But what about when your intervention comes without that support? Researcher and lawyer Marie Hadley and artist Travis DeVries have been exploring this idea together, particularly around intellectual property implications. The result is an exhibition called Entropy Awakening, and I caught up with both of them to discuss how their collaboration has evolved their thinking. I'm Travis DeVries. I'm a Gamilaroi and Darug uh, concept artist and uh, founder of Awesome Black. So, Travis, we are sitting in one of the back rooms on a very rainy day at 107 Project in Redfern, where you have an exhibition. How did it come about? Entropy Awakening has been, it's been a huge kind of endeavour putting it together. Um, The original sort of concept for Entropy Awakening, which is one of the like title hero work, came from conversations with a lawyer and academic um, who's at the University of Newcastle, Dr. Mary Hadley, about my previous work, Tear It Down, um, which depicts a group of activists pulling down the Captain Cook statue in Hyde Park. And we started getting into these like deep sort of conversations around Marie's work and how law intersects with art and anti-racist movements and Black Lives Matter movements and how like looking at iconoclasm and like the destruction of colonial monuments, which is what that work explores. Uh, And Marie and Nicholas Orr, who is another person that works at University of Newcastle, were writing a paper about it that referenced my work Um, and so Marie approached me to be inspired by the paper and uh, create a work that drew from the work that they'd been doing so it was like suddenly three layers deep of like their critical analysis and analytical law paper responding to my work and then me responding to that again and then Marie and I did a series of interviews and became co-researchers on the process of doing that. And so the exhibition brings together all of that as well as a whole bunch more of my work that kind of leads up to this place. How did working with an academic and like particularly looking at this from a copyright and legal perspective change your approach? to your art or change the way you think about it? 
the just the sort of like act of working with an academic around my work because I'd never really academicized it at all. Um, it gave like the process of having the conversations with Marie like gave me a deeper insight to one my process, but also self analyzing. Like you're self analyzing as an artist and a creator all the time, but having like we were having three or four hour chats over a period of six weeks during the creation process about like the work itself, but also how the law intersects with art and how it fails society because it's rigid, but it's like, it's not supposed to be rigid, but it's upheld and who it's upheld for all of those conversations that we had and all of that, like expansive brain time for self-analysis around the work has sort of changed both the artistic process, but the conceptual process as well. Um, I feel like a lot of my conceptual work has is able to go a lot deeper more quickly now because I'm able to get into that space um, in my head, uh, which is a nice thing sometimes. You talked about Tear It Down being um, sort of an inciting work for your collaboration with Marie and Nick and from memory that was a work that came just before people started to actually question the idea of why monuments of particular people particularly people who are um who were in America talking about slave ownership in Australia talking about colonial colonial figures that is the word so what prompted you? Like, what got you thinking about it? Originally, it was almost in a response to something that happened in the US at the time. It was when they were talking a lot about tearing down statues in the South. And there was like a big article talking about that sort of stuff. And and like I was sort of ideating around like, why not here? And why are we not, why are we not up in arms about this? Um, and I'd been an artist in residence at the Australian Museum um, at the time, uh, at the beginning of like through 2018 and 2019. And I had been walking past the Captain Cook statue every day for about a year from the train station to the uh, the museum. And I was like, I, I felt really impacted by it. I was like, oh, you can fob it off and like it not be impacting at all or like... But it actually is. It's There's a reason they've put this monument here on, like, Aboriginal land, on, on Gadigal land. Like, it's, like, why... It's it's a power move by, like, the colonial structures. And I I was really feeling that and I was, felt really tapped in. And I was, like, why, why are we not up in arms about this stuff? And then as soon as, like, protests happen, you see these pictures come out of... The, the statues, colonial monuments surrounded by cops. Like they are a protected act of state violence um, and a, um, an icon, a symbol of state, of state supremacy. And it, uh, the work Tear It Down like referenced um, some, and I'm using air quotes, like vandalism um, because colonial structures will describe it as vandalism but for like for it's an artistic expression on a public work which is valid like the work is in the public space so artistic public interacting with it 
artistically should be valid. And like, that's where I feel like a lot of the conversations Maria and I were having was about was like how the art intersects with copyright law because that graffiti is art in itself and therefore should be protected by copyright and intellectual property laws, but they are never upheld over criminal uh, vandalism. And so I created the Tear It Down piece, like referencing that um, graffiti and also depicting a group of activists tearing this down um, because it's not physically safe for me to go and interact in the public with these monuments. So it was, it was like an aspirational piece of, I would love to see this, but also like a, a bit of a call to action and adjacent to anti-racism movements. Like I wouldn't self-describe as an activist or protest to myself because I never seem to be in the headspace to be able to put myself on the line in that way. Like I've attended protests and activist spaces, but I'm, I wouldn't self-describe as an organizer. Like my work is adjacent to those movements and supportive of them. Hello, I'm Dr. Marie Hadley. I'm a researcher at the Center for Law and Social Justice. And I'm also a lecturer in law at the University of Newcastle. So we're going to start off by talking about anti-racism vandalism. Marie, why are you interested in this from a legal point of view? Well, for me, it started by seeing photographs of this anti-racism graffiti that was coming out and being broadcast all around the world during the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020. And I was seeing these pictures um, these images of this graffiti that I found incredibly powerful. And I had a conversation with a colleague of mine who's also an intellectual property law scholar. And we, we kind of like, like, okay, well, we know what criminal law says about this. We know that criminal law sees this type of graffiti uh, as, as criminal damage, essentially. But what is our area of law? say about this? What, what about the private rights that exist in these artworks in public spaces? What does copyright law, you know, have to say about this type of speech? And is it the type of thing which, you know, there's, there's freedom for that speech within our particular area of law? Or is it also stifled potentially the way it might be under criminal law? Because a lot of the time the, the statues, particularly in Australia, that you were looking at, those statues are falling under current copyright, right? There, there's been... Some of them are, some of them aren't. Right. Um, but I guess the assumption is that, or the assumption from outside would be that copyright law has no place here because it's a statue of a historical figure. But quite a lot of the statues that we saw that were vandalised during 2020 were actually within copyright. So copyright lasts for a certain period of time and at the moment in Australia, the duration is life plus 70 years of the author. So if the, the statue artist is still alive, then that statue is 100% definitely super clearly within copyright. The kind of sticky area of this for novices, like for people that mm. aren't informed on copyright, which arguably most of us, 
is that it feels like once it is in that public space and it's accessible in that way, you can't control what people do anymore. A hundred percent. And I think that perception comes from the fact that when something is in public, the the public, the people who pass it by, should be able to engage with it Mm. in the sense of taking photographs, sitting by it, drawing it, you know, um, doing a sketch. Um, The idea that public artworks are there for the public to enjoy. But the thing is, under the Copyright Act, there's certain public art exceptions, so certain things are allowed and certain things aren't. And what we found with our research was that if you physically engage with that statue, so if you literally paint on it, paint over it, um, that might not be copyright infringement, so that might not uh, infringe the rights of the person who created that statue. However, it will still be something called a moral rights infringement. And the idea of moral rights, or one particular moral right, is that the statue artist has a right of integrity. And essentially what that means is is that their work can't be subject to derogatory treatment. And derogatory treatment in the law is defined really, really broadly. And it's essentially anything that hurts that author's, that artist's feelings. So anything that prejudices their honour and reputation. So let's use a real world example. What are one of the statues that you looked at where this, um, these kinds of issues came up? Yep, so there's a statue of Robert Towns, which exists in Townsville CBD. And that was actually where the academic paper um, that my colleagues and I wrote, um, that's where we started with our paper, was with that particular statue. And in that instance, the statue artist is still alive. And um, in that instance, the figure, the person who's depicted in that statue, um, was allegedly involved in blackbirding. So essentially, Australia's um, involvement in slavery involving Pacific Islanders. And in that instance, an activist had come along and they had painted the hands of the statue red. And they'd also, I believe, painted an Aboriginal flag on the plaque. And so in that particular instance, that conduct of painting on the statue would amount to a moral rights infringement. It would infringe the statue uh, artist's right of integrity in the work because it did something to the work and the doing of something is all it takes to be an infringement because that statue artist has a right of integrity. They have a right for that statue to stay as it is, as they created it. This kind of vandalism, this like political vandalism and anti-racist vandalism that's happening on public works is sort of speaking to a change in the the national understanding or the broader understanding of, of Australia as a nation I kind of want to be like, why? Like, who who is actually getting upset about this and why do we care about them? 
<laughs> that is a very interesting question, uh, Rudy. <laughs> I think there's a significant portion of society that gets upset about this type of vandalism um, for a number of different reasons. And and some of this is a bit of speculation on my behalf and some of it's just literally conversations that I've had with people about this because when I see that anti-racism graffiti, I think it's powerful. I think it's it's beautiful. Like I find it aesthetically pleasing and interesting and meaningful and impactful. Um, but I, you know, from people that I've spoken to, you get responses from everything from well, I agree that the statues are bad, but we should just replace the plaque. We should just provide a fuller account of history. Or I agree that that statue is bad, but what we need is a new statue um, where local Indigenous people can choose how they might want to be represented or how they might want their history to be represented. Or other people who say, okay, you know, we have these statues, but let's put it in a museum. Let's contextualise this history. Let's tell a fuller account. Um, but then, obviously, there's also a, um, a group of people who are maybe more similar to my view, which is, well, this graffiti speaks to social critique. This graffiti uh, speaks to you know, the mood, <laughs> the mood of Australia. This, this, is, this is powerful stuff, it's meaningful and it should be left on there. That is the best way to deal with these statues. Creatively destroy them, but in the process, create this new counter monument. Um, yeah. yeah, does that kind of answer? It does, that- it really does. And I guess um, one of the things that kind of, could come up in this is that when you have a counter monument, is, is there an argument that now that person has created a? Do they have any copyright rights yeah. to their counter monument? Yeah. So essentially, um, what you're getting into here is whether a potentially. Um, a transformative artwork, which is what we call it in copyright law, whether a transformative work can itself subsist in copyright. Uh, And the answer to that is yes, because even a copyright infringing work can subsist in copyright. So that that side of things, you know, that, that activist can then own a copyright work, but that still doesn't do away with the fact that there's a whole lot of other laws that regulate these statues. So you could have something being an original copyright work because it transforms the original, so it meets those minimum standards of originality that copyright requires. Uh, However, it can still amount to criminal damage, for example. So... I reached out to Travis as part of this project because I was interested in what an artist would think about how law regulates anti-racism graffiti. So I was interested in exploring how they might interpret law and what they might see as actually important and whether that like differed from what I see as a legal scholar. So 
at the start of the project, when I commissioned him to create an artwork that responds to this legal research I was doing around anti-racism graffiti, I, I thought he might provide new insights into the relationship between law, colonialism and creative expression. Um, but the project subsequently took on a life of its own and really, I think, as a co-researcher on the project, Travis brought so much more than just his creative talent and I think I was able to to eventually... Oh, how do I explain it? It's like I was brought into the worlds that Travis creates and I was able to think in a new way outside of these, these rules and these regulations that I was studying. I mean, it, it, raises, it raises an interesting idea for me in that because your work is is in reference to these acts rather than rather than you actually going out and graffitiing them. I don't want to say it's hypocritical because I, I take your point that there is a safety element like consideration involved, but it, it does sort of change the relationship to critiquing a public work when your works are not public. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I, I do. And um, uh, it's a really interesting kind of, like, case study on that as well because the, the original Tear It Down piece was, was a artistic study for this larger narrative that I'm doing that is exploring uh, people tearing down monuments um, and, like, the act of um, sort of heroes and anti-heroes in blackfella cultures and who is controlling the narrative and who is telling the story um so the the exhibition kind of features this um Kumilaroi superhero um as the sort of end image um and they have just gone on a rampage and destroyed saint mary's cathedral um in retaliation to uh, a mining company destroying a sacred Gumilaroi site. Um, and so, like, that's... I'm, I'm playing with that who is the hero to whom and um, uh, and to, like, white Australia, that hero would be the villain in the story. Um, and so, like, I'm not writing these works or making these pieces for white Australia at all, like, except to maybe, like call them out and give them a warning like like you can't keep doing this on one hand and not expect um an equal reaction from the people you're oppressing as soon as i asked that question and handed over the microphone i remembered that you do actually do public works in the form of murals <laughs> and so there is a lot of your work that is actually out there for people for the public to engage with and and in that same sort of space of like to overwrite it. So I think I think that like there is, I don't know, I kind of want to give you the space to explain that you do have kind of a stake in this as a public artist as well. I'm not sure really what to talk about there. I, I would say like I do put my work out 
publicly as well. Like I do murals and um, stickers that I'll paste up and stuff like that. And um, I, th- I feel like I also part of my work, I put it out online. So it's basically available for anyone to take and remix and, and publicly destroy as well. And like part of part of my artistic work is creating memes um, that people do share and change. And, and like it is, I think like public artwork, um, it's who decides which bit of public artwork is protected and which bit isn't. Graffiti is somewhat ephemeral, like it might be gone tomorrow, um, but you've got these like colonial public artworks that are etched in bronze and cast and they are supposed to be sacred um, or like untouchable. Uh, and, you know, there, there is a whole conversation around from like various facets of society around like, well, these don't represent the public kind of uh, like where, where the public headspace is at now. Like we don't, we have no need for Captain Cook in Hyde Park. As a society, we have moved beyond that. Um, and you've got traditionalists who are like, no, it's, a, it's, it's such an important part of our history. We must remember it, even if he was a bad dude. But it's like, well, well, no, like if society isn't a fixed point in time, it's always a ongoing conversation. And I think our public artwork should reflect that as well. Like, and Entropy Awakening, the hero piece, like that's what is it is exploring conceptually. I've created this image of a statue that is depicted neutral um, to represent how white people think they are in society. Um, And the statue is holding the scales of justice, which is like a traditional symbol of the law and court system. But that law and court system serves that that white statue and that white society. Um, And in my image, the scales are one side is weighted down by blood. Um, and on the left side of the image, the statue is repeated and fading into the background. And on the right side of the image, um, the statue is disintegrating and entropying. Um, and so the work is like thinking and pondering about like, do we give these colonial monuments too much credence and power over us? Um, or do we like ignore them or do we tear them down? Like, I think all of those sort of thoughts as a black fella and whatever that means for you, as a, like those sort of thoughts and responses to the colonial statues that are upholding the symbol of the state is a valid response. Like in Tear It Down, I'm depicting like I'm, I'm angry and I want them torn down and I'm like aspirational for that to happen. And then I also think like, the power I'm giving them over me is more than they deserve. God, they should just rust and die. Artist Travis DeVries there. You also heard from researcher and lawyer Dr. Marie Hadley. I've been friends with Travis since we were both teenagers and he actually gifted me a copy of Tear It Down a while back. So I have to admit it was a bit of a thrill to see how this work has developed. You can catch the exhibition at 107 Projects on Redfern Street in Sydney now until the 17th of October.